Content warning. No Gods, No Monsters contains profanity, substance use, and a strong hatred for the police. The Mega Nulon Larvae from Rodan, or the Ants from Them? That's hard to say, because the Ants and Them, I feel like sometimes, am I remember correctly, sometimes they were, like, easily killed by bullets, and then sometimes, like, grenades, like, wouldn't even hurt them. That's that's kind of how I remember it, yeah. <laughs> uh, but kind of the same with the Mega Nulon, right? Like, they get shot true. a bunch and nothing happens, and then on the hill, it finally takes them down. No, on the hill, it just does a weird tumble, right? Oh, you're right. It doesn't die till the till the cave in. Yeah. Well, I think it gets smashed by the minecart, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. No, you're right. I am gonna go with uh, Rodan. That's my answer. <laughs> I just. I think it would be a bloody fight, and then uh, Rodan would show up and eat them both. That's probably a good fucking call. Um, I think I would just put my money on it being a really boring fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a really annoying to listen to fight. Yeah. <laughs> just the, the like, wee, 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 of both <laughs> just like annoy each other to death. Yeah. I would just be off of the sideline saying, shut up! <laughs> shut up! <laughs> Sweet, well... I hope one day we get a spinoff where these universes combine and we get to see the Mega Nulon larvae and the ants fucking fight. Because, I mean, I'm kind of picturing, maybe I'd go with the Mega Nulon because they could just, like, the people in the suit could just knock out the strings that are moving <laughs> the ants from them. And then what's the ant going to fucking do? That's a good point, I guess. <laughs> I thought we were imagining these creatures as real, but... Oh, shit. I forgot we're supposed to suspend our disbelief because this is No Gods, No Monsters, and this is episode nine, and I'm Rabbit, and you're Charlie, and uh, we're the anti-capitalist kaiju podcast and giant monster podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us, not even weird radioactive bugs. And this week we're talking about Rodan, 1956. Charlie, you want to lay out the red carpet for this flying beast? Yeah. First of all, I should probably give you a warning. I'm very tired. Last night, I meant to play a couple hours of Overwatch and then either go to bed or work on the episode. And I could not win an Overwatch. Hour after hour after hour. Loss after loss after loss. And I said, I was not going to stop playing until I win. And at 5 a.m., I finally got a win. Nice. Um, so I went to bed when I usually wake up. Uh, and then I had a very hard time sleeping. Damn. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I do have to say that seems pretty similar to how a fight between Mega Nulon and the Ants would, would go and take a while. And in the end, one would just probably... Well, good job winning. All I'm saying is when the other team has a Farah that's constantly on fire, constantly killing your healers, why don't you change your character to counter it? Why? Why don't they change... This is super, okay. super gripping audio for our listeners who 
probably don't know much about Overwatch. But all that's three why of we you who the... do, you get it. And why wouldn't you change that's... your fucking class? Come on, your character. Yeah, it's Jesus. infuriating when you're a mercy just constantly getting murked. Um, okay. Oh yeah, synopsis. And don't worry, God created the edit button for a reason. Charlie um, thinks that I edit these podcasts by pressing the edit button. <laughs> and it just does it. Makes sense to me. <laughs> I don't know how else you put all this shit together. <laughs> it's cool. You'll, yeah, that's how it goes. Um, all right, Kaiju Sickos. Good evening. A mining village discovers a mutilated body within the mine. Suspecting one of their fellow workers, a pig and two miners search the mines only to meet their own gruesome ends. How can one man cause so many such brutal deaths? It has to be a man, right? While Miner Shigeru is relaying his doubts about the case to his fiancée, Kiyo, they discover that it probably isn't a man, as a monster straight out of the 1954 creature feature, Them, attacks. Police, villagers, and soldiers give chase to the monster, and they chase it into the mountain, but not before it absolutely rocks two cops. Brave-ass Shigeru, surrounded by cops and soldiers, takes the initiative and rides a minecart straight into the creature, Donkey Kong style. Unfortunately, this leads to him getting stuck inside the caved-in tunnel. Following this, paleontologist Do- Dr. Kashiwaji identifies the monster as a Meganulon, that is, a prehistoric dragonfly larva. At this point, an earthquake causes a crater to appear on the mountain, and Shigeru, plagued with amnesia, reappears. As he is being cared for by Kiyo, giant bird-like creatures wreak havoc around Asia. Shigeru regains his memory while seeing an egg hatch, and recalls seeing a giant-ass egg hatch and a reptile bird emerge that then feasted on the Meganulon. This creature is the titular Rodan, affectionately known by kaiju fans worldwide as Dan. Rodan destroys the city, is attacked by the military, is joined by a fellow Rodan, flees back home, and the military decides to erupt a volcano to kill them. The End. Directed by Ishiru Honda, special effects by Yiji Tsuburaya, music by Akira Ifukube, with Kenji Sahara as Shigeru Kawamura, Yumi Shirakawa as Kiyo, Akihiko Hirata as Kiyochiro Kashiwaji, Doctor of Paleontology, and Haruya Nakajima as Rodan. It's Giant Monster of the Sky, Radon. Baby. Nice, nice. I mean, I guess they are bird-like creatures, but they're specifically pteranodons, we should probably mention. Yeah, lizard bird creatures. Dinos. Well, dinosaurs are birds now, so... I mean, birds are dinosaurs. So you're right on both counts. Yeah, I'm smart. Hell yeah, I know that's what you're getting at. Okay, so I think I'd been hyping this movie up to you a bit for the past few months, but you hadn't seen it until recently. What'd you think? I liked it a lot. Yeah, I... You know what? Just south of loving it. But yes, I I really, really enjoyed it. I really like how it's more serious than what we'll come to associate with the show era, but it's not as just nonstop deadly serious as Godzilla. And it uh, incorporates horror elements uh, a lot. And um, it starts the use of color in the in the monster universe. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the show era, I I associate with uh, vivid colors on um, I I think most of the 
movies are shot on Technicolor, but yeah, this is shot in Technicolor, and this uh, just has is great coloring. Although it's unique in that it has earthier tones than what I generally associate with the Godzilla series, which I feel like is kind of playing into some of the themes. It's a very earthy yeah. movie. Yeah, definitely. What do you think? You hate it, right? I really like this movie. Big surprise. Yeah, I think it's like, like remember when I first watched Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster, and I was like, this movie fucking sucks. I think it's because like this is the kind of movie I'd been watching up till then, uh-huh. and I, I I can appreciate that one more. But I was sad to see this era of this kind of vibe go because this I really <sighs> like the tone of this movie. It's fucking gorgeous. It it nails the tragic ending. It nails having some politics. Um, it nails the intrigue. I don't know. It's just it's it's really good. It's not perfect, uh, but I I really enjoy this one and. Um, it makes sense to me that this one was like so wildly popular at the time and kind of cemented like Toho's decision to be like, okay, we're making giant monster movies as a thing now. Yeah. I have to say, having seen uh, the Ghidorah movie, what is mm-hmm. it called again? Uh, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster? Yeah, that one. Um, having seen that, I was really disappointed that the two Rodans didn't play volleyball with The Rock. <laughs> it is. I was I was hoping for that the entire time. To each their own, to each their own. It, it is funny that, like, this Rodan is so serious and tragic, and then Rodan very quickly, because that's the next appearance of Rodan, is that Yeah. Movie. And he's silly in that, and he just becomes, like, a silly jerk. Like, he's just, like, kind of a Oscar the Grouch of, like, the Godzilla universe-ish, if I remember correctly, and it is it is funny. He's just, he's not that at all in this, or they are not that at all in this, I should say. Yeah, I think they, I think I read they intentionally, they change the costume design to make it uh friendlier after this movie yeah totally because this one i mean this one and godzilla are the only two early ones that i know of that are so death filled and gory and and tra- like dark um yeah um i haven't seen it makes me curious about the uh, other non godzilla kaiju toho kaiju movies that honda did i hope we see some more of that but i don't think we I don't know if we will. I th- I think our only hope, maybe Varen and maybe Atragon, because I haven't seen either of those. But mm. um, I don't remember if Honda did Atragon. But Mothra definitely so. is not like that. Yeah, I know Mothra is, and I've seen Mothra. Yeah. But uh, and there's not much. But I mean, Mothra, Mothra still doesn't get like super goofy. Like oh no no no, uh, Mothra but, uh, versus Godzilla starts too. But yeah. But like. Frankenstein conquers the world, and mm. what about those ones? I don't know about those. I'm not sure. We'll be finding out very soon. Yeah. Totally. Sweet. Well, um, to give some context to this film, I guess starting out, obviously, biggest influence of this movie is Godzilla. <laughs> but other than that, um, you already mentioned, and obviously... Does I it count as influence if it's the same people that made it, that yeah. made Godzilla? Would okay. this have been made without Godzilla? No way. Okay. <laughs> but uh that's why I'm it's like too duh to dwell on. That's why I'm just flying by. Then maybe it was influenced by the success of Godzilla. I think the story and the format is very much playing off the success of Godzilla in its format. Like it whatever, it's tomato tomato. We're splitting hairs okay, here. Yeah. This <laughs> um, is stupid. Yeah, I didn't think about this when we were watching them at all. But once I realized that people were saying that this was influenced by them, and then I watched this again, it's so obvious. There's so many parallels. For being such a different movie, it's kind of crazy how many different parallels there are, you know? Yeah. I mean, especially the design of the Megalons is just so... (laughs) 
Totally, but also, like, it starts out with the mystery, thinking it's a human doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's flying animals that people are calling flying saucers. <laughs> the, yeah, the noises, like you said, of the bugs are, like, so similar, which is, like, why grab the worst thing from them? And <laughs> um, there's underground caverns being used a lot. Uh, there's a, a, a character who loses contact with reality and is silent and then gets shocked back into remembering the creatures like there's a ton of things that are very similar it's a trip do you know about the uh the ufo incident that like supposedly inspired this the yeah i briefly uh very briefly read a segment on it heard about it um yeah i mean the the short version is january 7th 1948 captain thomas f mantell was a kentucky air national guard pilot boo and uh, he said he saw a UFO and he chased it and he like went really high while chasing it, I guess, and blacked out from lack of, lack of oxygen and fucking died. Um, this is only one year after the first like reported military sighting of UFOs, which is pretty trippy. Wasn't there like an outbreak of them at that time or? Probably. I, it's been a while since I've been in my UFO phase. I mean, I feel I like remember all the stuff. a lot of, I, I think you're right because the, I when was Roswell? Was that 45? I have no idea. Now I'm getting confused. I don't know. But I do know that the late 40s were when it exploded because current ufologists, or sorry, ufologists, <laughs> um, often say that they, theor- or often theorized that uh, the use of nuclear weapons, like, alerted the galactic communities to the fact that we'd reached, like, a dangerous stage yeah. of development, and that's why they were coming, so that timing would make sense. But yeah, it's kind of interesting that that was an inspiration for this because like, how? I don't know. Like, this movie is nothing like that. Like, I would never... Yeah, I know. Think that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just the idea of a of an unidentified flying object yeah. inspired. They wanted to do a movie with an, an Air Force fighting off against uh, yeah. an unidentified flying object. And pilots do die. Yeah, I, I, I knew about... That incident was an inspiration going into this, and I knew that Rodan was based on Pteranodon. So it was very weird. That Those are very weird things to get from the movie that we do get, because it's you don't associate those things with the Earth, and this movie is just so earthy, yeah, underground. Totally. It's just, That's true. It's, it's all about these flying things. Yeah, it is strange that I hadn't thought of that, but like, we talked in our uh, Godzilla episode about how Godzilla was so unique because his actual design came from the themes of the movie they wanted to express. So the design one that that was like those themes incarnate, whereas that did not happen here. Yeah. <laughs> so some political context for the movie before we dive into the actual movie. Well, obviously, this is a movie about coal miners. And I mean, we'll get more into the themes that have to do with these things, but... Um, I think it's interesting. I want to shout out uh, Gargantu cast had a good episode on Rodan that y'all should check out that kind of uh, turned us on to some of these ideas or at least turned me on. I, I don't know if you'd heard of those before or not, Charlie, before I mentioned um, you heard it. No, but uh, in David Collat's book, he also kind of mentions a lot of the same stuff, too. Oh, sweet. Um, Which book is that? Yeah. A Critical History and Filmography of Toho's Godzilla Series. Sweet. Hell yeah, that's cool that that book covers not just Godzilla. Uh, yeah. Sweet. So yeah, I guess coal mining had been huge in Japan for a long time. 
but from my brief reading on it, after World War II, they basically got rid of a bunch of their fucking, basically, slave labor from other countries. Like, from, I think, Korea and maybe China, and so they had to fill those in with Japanese people. So even though, like, coal was kind of on the downswing, because oil was on the upswing at that time, it became a way more, like, workers' rights issue, because... Uh, it was actually Japanese people um, that had a say in things a little bit um, who were doing the work. And so there was kind of a lot of tension around coal and workers' rights. Like unionizing had become a big thing, like making sure people had food and stuff. So it was just a tense thing. And so this is kind of obviously tapping into that as like a national sentiment at the time. Um, the other obvious political context tied to coal mining and in general, like the industrialization of Japan after World War II is the environmental concerns brought up in the movie. Again, we'll dive more into the what we think those mean in how the movie presents it, but it's crazy to me that a movie from 1956 brings up fucking global warming like right off the bat. That's just yeah, I mean, I, wild. I guess this just proves that global warming isn't real. <laughs> how so? I mean, they've been fear-mongering about it for this long, and <laughs> uh, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm dude, still, sometimes it's cold. Like, Yeah, I'm still running my heater. Totally. It just snowed in April here. I mean, the what's going point. on? Good point. It sure ain't global warming. Totally. That's not what's going on. Um. So, yeah, there's uh the theory of global warming is mentioned, and... uh. Just briefly, I didn't notice till the second time I watched it for this episode that um the in the scene they say the Earth's getting warmer. Oh, you mean the theory of global warming? And then they say if all the ice caps melt, the Earth will be flooded. Sounds awful, and they laugh. And the very next scene is the mine flooding. Yeah, I just picked that, up on that. That's kind of a neat little little rhyme they did or transition. I don't know what thing. to call it? Yeah, I know Honda's known for his cool transitions, but I that's one of the first ones I really picked up on. But there was also that line that I didn't notice when I was taking notes the second time. But there's a line, right, that's like, oh, like, we've mined so much. Maybe we're going to, the Earth's going to run out. Um, do you notice that line? I think it's right before the global warming one. No. But, yeah, so he says something like, we've we've gotten, like, I'm trying to remember, like, 8 million tons out of the Earth. Oh, we're going to run out. And then they go, ha, ha, ha. And then he's like, oh, global warming. Oh, we'll all be flooded. Sounds awful. Ha, ha. And they're laughing. But then it kind of turns out that these things are real so i think it just taps into the fact that that was in the streaming hbo version yeah i don't know how i didn't okay i don't know um and they talked about it in the gargantucast episode too or at least in one of fuck, i listen to so many podcasts about right now i can't remember but it's definitely in there like people yeah. brought it up a bunch yeah. i thought i saw it and then i when i'm taking notes the final time i watch it I, it's hard for me to see every line um, yeah no uh in collat's book he includes some dialogue and i was like I don't remember that. I don't remember that. And then he also talks about like the American narration, like, Oh, that dialogue must've been from the American narration. So that's, I was kind of wondering if maybe you had read it or heard about it, but you don't remember specifically from the movie. Um, we take it for granted. We haven't like mentioned this in a few episodes, but yeah, we always watch the Japanese ones, which we should probably be more explicit about. And that's the one we're talking about today. And I thought it was funny, I guess, uh, in the American version, they cut out like 10 minutes, including the line about global warming. And I'm just like, really, America? <laughs> You've been fucking coming up global warming since 1956. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, hey, baby. The gas and oil companies existed back then. They oh, were 
they existed. Wanted to hide that shit. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, this was an oil boom time, so that really makes sense. Anyway, okay, so that's that's the general context. Environmental concerns happening, industrialization happening, coal mining uh, tensions in Japan. All right, let's talk about this fucking film. All right, let's do it. Uh, so we've I was going to bring up the visuals. We've already kind of brought up some of the stuff, but um, anything else that we haven't mentioned jump out at you with the visuals? But yeah, uh, I mean, I, I already mentioned this, but I just, I associate the show era with just like popping vivid colors, um, tropical, like, you know, I think of like Son of Godzilla with, with all those, those tropical colors. That's kind oh, of Oh yeah, especially the Fukuda ones. Like, uh, the yeah, that's, one. yeah. That's really what I think when I think of the show era. So having this movie with all these earthy tones was uh, kind of a neat little uh, difference. I will say um, this has nothing to do with the film itself. Uh, it could really do with some restoration work. Some of the stuff is like really dark and uh, stuff, especially in the mines, and it can be hard to kind of make stuff out. And I think mm-hmm. a good restoration could kind of clear some of that visually up. But Damn, I did not just... have an issue with that at all. Interesting. I have bad eyesight, so I don't know. And I'm colorblind, so that also probably, probably messes things up. Also, you know me, I'm fucking stoned. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I really loved, I agree with you totally about, like, this movie is just beautiful. And especially the first half is kind of darker and very earthy. Second half pops a little more once Rodan the Rodans come out. But the whole thing just looks super great. It's like It's like a timeless color palette. It just looks awesome. I really loved the surreal psychedelic swirling in the beginning during the titles. Um, yeah, that, that was sick. That, I, I really liked that intro, uh, the title sequence. Um, totally. There's also like that, like those vivid reds that. Yeah. That uh, yeah, I I like the title sequence a lot. And it's like these reds that look kind of like fire or lava i think kind of like a foreshadowing thing but then they turn into these awesome greens kind of bringing back like the green yeah. hillsides we're gonna see and just the thought of of the earth and the environment it's it's really fucking awesome yeah actually going into this i didn't realize this in color because i had seen i had seen black and white stills of this before so i assume this was still black and white Sweet. Um, so it's cool to see it was actually in color hell yeah i mean i like black and white stuff but it was it was like oh wow this is color it's shot in technicolor which is like the greatest film has ever been in terms of colors so that's fucking awesome hell yeah yeah i think it really works for this movie i'm very glad this movie's in color um just like i'm glad the original godzilla is not in color Mm -hmm. and it was also pretty fucking brave of them to do not only color but daytime for such difficult sequences with these flying fucking suits yeah and it worked great i mean the yeah it worked great um yeah i mean it's i was just saying it's also brave because it costs more than black and white and that's why you see a lot of the american movies monster movies being black and white because they're cheaply made so they totally that was just a way to cut corners i think they knew what they were doing it paid off like this yeah. Again, record-breaking fucking box office. The only other visual thing I wanted to bring up is when Sh- uh, Shigeru is riding the mine cart down, it looks so cool. I love that. <laughs> I, just love I that thought now. that looked bad. <laughs> I love it. I thought it looked so good. I thought it looked so stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I fucking love that shot. It's awesome. Well, we mentioned the beginning psychedelic colors and stuff being awesome, but the music 
for that really adds to it. What do you think of the music? Yeah, Ifukube's score in this, uh, I think I prefer it to the score, um, to the God's, uh, 1954 score. It's just, overall, it's, it's more subtle, and it's less repetitive, uh, and I think that helps contribute to kind of, like, the, the, the horror elements of this, uh, but yeah, I, I like his, I like his score a lot in this. Hell yeah. Yeah, and it's very similar, like, the opening has this mm. thing that's like very much like it's like two notes off from the main Godzilla theme. And then the mm. military music is so similar to it in that. But I think it, they work great. And the it's, music, as I say, like the military part, like it's very similar, but it's so much more subdued. Oh, I like it more. The, yeah, I like the military yeah. one more. That's my least favorite track that's more that's two in your face in the original godzilla i think mm. i like godzilla's theme more than rodan's theme but rodan's theme is awesome and it's mm. very again very similar especially like it just instead of the the big part of the godzilla theme being like i don't know fucking what instruments he's using but there's a there's like the big fucking noticeable part of the godzilla theme and in the rodan theme it's there and it's very similar but it's not all that's going on and like so it makes it more subdued like you said um, yeah the yeah the opening music just goes so well with the images it's almost like the combo's very psychedelic and just so much more modern than what we've seen so far from toho in my opinion not necessarily modern i mean yeah well that works with the the coloring yeah it's just more dynamic and it all works together so well i have a feeling they gave him a little more time than they gave him in godzilla he had like four days in godzilla or something to make the music something crazy yeah and they also like didn't show him the footage i don't i remember you saying that but i also i know that i heard a thing of him saying like he'd watch a scene of them editing godzilla he'd smoke a cigarette and he'd run and write so i don't know i'm but there's conflicting info everywhere about this stuff so maybe i'm thinking of it from a different movie i don't know but yeah i bet they showed it to him this time (laughs) (laughs) good call toho (laughs) the only other uh filmmaking thing specifically i was thinking of bringing up was how this felt more like it was shot and paced more like a horror movie in the beginning which you mentioned which just works really well for me yeah especially all the scenes in the mine um yeah those all are very set up like horror movies um yeah they're creeping around in the dark they find a body floating in the in the dirty water like all pretty much all the scenes in the mind are very much set up like horror stuff, especially the egg scene. Yeah, totally. And like it, it has a classic horror. Like, like there's suspense. It's really slow. Where like mm. they know they shouldn't go in the mind, but they keep going in. So you're like, don't go in there. And then like yeah. it starts with off-screen deaths, and then to bodies, and then to on-screen deaths. Like it has that horror kind of escalation. Mm-hmm. Totally. I thought that was great and kind of not what I expected from Honda. Yeah, not at all, because it's not something he really returns to, at least as far as I've seen. Yeah. Cool. So if we're getting into like the uh, the meat of the movie, all the, the stuff with the humans, I thought the choice of the setting and focus on this was a good thing to kind of explore before we go into specific characters, because it's so different than the normal Godzilla or Toho movie, you know? Uh, yeah, it being placed in a mining town as opposed to a big city is quite a different change of pace. And it feels like usually it's like you're following a scientist, a reporter, 
especially in later ones, like a scientist, a reporter, a um, maybe a tuna man, fisherman, Terry person. Yeah, that's a little different. So I guess that's <laughs> similar. But this one is like one of the only ones really focusing on like, I guess you'd call it like like the proletariat, let's say. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, even with a tuna fisherman, technically they're still the proletariat, but they would definitely seem to be a more upper class and buddy buddy with the uh with the boss with the boss yeah, yeah. i mean literally the main hero was uh marrying the boss's daughter i mean you could see the 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 boot tread imprinted on their tongues for sure yeah <laughs> uh yeah a minor uh, mining work is uh they're very much more the salt of the earth proletariat <laughs> totally yeah and so uh some of the things that kind of like drove that in right away like the opening shot of of mount oso and then it pans to show the town and the scale of the mountain kind of i mean i guess the just the fact that it's like this isolated mining town and that it's dwarfed by nature i feel like is not only sets the scene of oh we're focusing on miners this time but also hints at this uh a theme of the juxtaposition of nature and man you know mm-hmm. but i guess more on the point of it being miners do, do you know like it's so weird that it starts out with those two guys fighting, and we never know what they're fighting about. Yeah, that is kind of weird. It, it I mean, it, I guess it's just a setup that Goro could be the killer to, in everybody's minds. Um, but, oh, you think that's what they're fighting about? I mean, one of the fighters is Goro, so that's why. They oh, assume, really? That's why they assume that he's the killer because okay. he. I think maybe the guy he was fighting was the was the dead guy that they found. Um, okay, so I but yeah, I didn't. Think... That's why they assumed that he was the person that was killing off. these people. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Because in my mind, since I thought that they never, we never realized who it was. This person says, "Like, why are you two always fighting? You work in the same pit, don't you?" So I thought maybe it was just a vehicle to show us, like, the idea that you should have solidarity, that you should be working solidarity together. with your worker with workers. Yeah, yeah, but no, that makes sense that it's it's doing both at least. But yeah, it's cool that they show like I guess them accusing Goro makes this a little problematic or a little nuanced. But it's cool that they show that the workers are like always trying to go down to help each other. You know, like they yeah, know that, that there's certain death or that is neat. I mean, I pointed out earlier that uh, when they chase the mega larvae can't think of what they're called mega nulon um the mega nulon into the mine uh the soldiers and the cops and then shigeru is the one who jumps on the mine card and just fucking rides it down like he's the one like i want to save my friends i want to go after this fucking thing yeah fuck you cowards and and i feel like there's almost no scenes mocking miners but there's scenes mm-hmm. showing military cops the paleontologist uh, who was the last? Oh, the the rich couple, like being yeah. aloof, making bad decisions, being satirized. But the miners always seem to be like pretty solid. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I definitely took uh, took notice of that. Well, speaking of the miners, should we talk about uh, some of these characters? All right, Shigeru Kawamura, a miner. What do you think of this this man? I mean, I think overall. One of the downsides to this movie is that, especially juxtaposed to Honda's last kaiju movie, the characters just are not as well written, not as deep. Definitely. Um, Shigura is definitely the most well written character, but there still isn't too much to him. 
I mean, we definitely see him as the heroic character throughout who, uh, you know, like I said, he he doesn't believe that his his friend Goro could do this kill and he knows it can't be him. He's the one that goes in and ha- shows bravery. But I don't know, there just isn't a lot of we still just don't see too much to him, I guess, um, is what he I feels, what I mean. For having all the things you just said, which are all true, he does still feel two dimensional. And yeah. I feel like at first he just blends in with everyone else. Like I don't expect him he doesn't pop out. And then later, mm-hmm. like when it does the flashback and then even after going through all that trauma, he's willing to like lead the expedition back in. It shows his bravery and stuff. And it's like right then you're like, okay, maybe I'm going to like this guy. And that's about halfway through the movie. And then boom, he kind of disappears till the end. And so it yeah. doesn't, it never lets you really grab onto him. I agree. Yeah. So like, like I said, in Collat's book, he brings up some of the narration and the American version and like reading that you kind of wish, Maybe not to the same extent that the narration does, uh, but you kind of, it really does a lot more of just narrating what the characters are feeling and thinking about stuff. Mm. And that seems like the little excerpts I read, it seems like it kind of maybe added more to their characters. So you kind of maybe wish there was a little bit more of that. That makes sense. Totally. Um, Also, the whole amnesia part, I feel like that was kind of shoehorned in there. Like, so he gets, they find him and he has amnesia and then they're like, oh, he may, he may never recover and this is horrible. And then it cuts to a bunch of different scenes and then it cuts back to him and he's regaining his memory 12, 15 minutes later. Because of the pictures, which is funny. um, Well, no, because of uh, the egg hatching. Oh, that's Um, true. But they, yeah, you're right. They think that showing him the... The, the pictures the dinosaur will, re- will jog his memory. Yeah, back, which is just funny to me. Like, oh shit, he's lost his mind. Here's some jo- drawings. Yeah, the whole amnesia sequence it just seemed a way to delay the revealing of what he saw, and yeah. it just kind of felt to me kind of shoehorned in there. Um, like yeah, I know. I th- I think it worked really well at doing that. Like, I love that flashback sequence being where it is. But you're right. The oh, the flashback they- sequence. The flashback sequence is my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about the amnesia as a whole. That's what I was saying, yeah, is that I think, like, that works really well, but that doesn't mean that the device wasn't contrived. Like, it doesn't... Mm-hmm. It The way they talk about amnesia, I'm sure part of it is translated weird, and, like, obviously, amnesia in movies isn't, like, amnesia in real life, so it's already always feels weird, but, like, they're, like, it might be total amnesia, and then they're, like, only one in 10,000 cases of amnesia is total and it just sounds so not doctor like <laughs> like it just yeah. sounds so fake and weird and <laughs> and then yeah it's just like a cracking egg brings him back just like the girl smelling a little bit of the phosphorus or whatever in them just boom she's back um yeah it, but but in that one i guess it's a little longer yeah i, I agree it's not perfect it doesn't it, it's not horrible it seems just as cheesy as as other stuff in the movie but um it's it's definitely not perfect, and it, it kind of adds to the lack of depth of the human characters. Mm. It's kind of funny to me when he's when he has amnesia, though, because, like, he doesn't... He looks like he could just be high as fuck and just, like, not want to <laughs> deal with these fucking suits. They're just like, hey, man, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, uh, just, like, chilling. And they're like, here's some drawings. He's like, sick. <laughs> I don't know. He, 
That's that's the vibe I I get. He's just like I was just chilling in this crater. Why are you trying to fuck up my fucking buzz right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I might be projecting. <laughs> no, I I really I really wanted to slap him. Just the face he was making was just so just like I'm, is that how amnesia works? Like they just don't know anything and they just. No, amnesia in movies is its own thing. It's just like how if you get hit in the head by something in a movie, you can just pass out. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Or how chloroform just knocks you out for six hours. That doesn't happen in real life. Like, it's just a thing that we've established is okay to do in movies. <laughs> but it's not real. And But to be fair, Charlie, you've never had amnesia, but I've I've seen you make that face he was making before. You know, that's yeah. why I think he was just <laughs> real fucking wasted. Yeah, that's why it annoyed me, because I... I annoy myself. <laughs> We've all been where Shigura's been, for sure. I mean, not in the cave, but in our in the cave of our minds, you know. I I've been in the cave. <laughs> uh, off air, dude. Tell me off air. Uh, I live in the cave state. I've been in the cave. Do you? Is that what it's called? I think so. I thought you were the mound state. The mounds. It's the show me state, baby. It's the show Momo me those state. caves. It's the Momo. Show state, me those dude. caves. What? Momo. Momo's the Missouri oh. version of Sasquatch. Uh, I feel like you've told me that before. God damn! You can't. We're cryptozoologists through and through. <laughs> Got to do better. Okay, what about Keo, who in the Wikipedia is perfectly described as Goro's sister? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. It kind of makes sense why she's described like that, because there really isn't much to her. Yeah. I mean, we do see some kind of like emotional depth to her, where she's like wandering around in the crater looking for a Shigeru, and then at the in the ending sequence, she's kind of like really upset by what she's seeing when the, the Dans are dying. But overall, there isn't too much to her. I, I mean, that's kind of been the trend line through all the movies we've done is that the female characters just don't they're not well written yeah that's totally true it's annoying because i've been watching lots of kung fu and one of the fun trends in kung fu is that there's lots of strong female characters especially when you get to directors like king hu and then like you go to these movies and it's just there's nothing to them yeah it's sucks i have a feeling i haven't seen varan or congress godzilla but i have a feeling in both of those this is going to be the same especially congress is godzilla but i will say starting kind of soon it gets a little better like there's still almost no women but they start having good women characters pretty soon which it's like fucking finally like this is taking so long (laughs) yeah yeah i mean basically we're introduced to her and in the first scene she's worried about what everyone's saying about her brother and that's what happens for the whole movie with her i will say both of these characters we're saying are pretty shallow their facial expressions and their position in the last shots of the movie are pretty awesome and add a lot of depth but other than Mm. that i mean yeah she stops being important pretty much a little after rodan shows up and she only becomes important again because she shows up to, like, talk to Shiguru and, like, express her feelings and 
that's nice, but it's just not enough. There's like there's very little to her. She cries a lot, and I know the actress was really mm. bummed on the role. She was not into it, um, and I can see yeah. why. I wouldn't be either. Yeah. Okay. Kashiwagi, the doctor of paleontology, is played by the same guy who played uh, Sarazawa in the original. Yeah. This character is fucking bad at his job. I'd say he's worse than Yamane in some ways. Hey, what's wrong with Yamane? He says two million years. That's the oh. main thing. Just a worse paleontologist. <laughs> okay, like, I thought you meant like a worse... I thought you were saying Yamane was a bad character. No, no, okay. he's a great character with a lot of depth. I just mean <laughs> as the paleontologist that they're consulting, there's a theme of paleontologists being bad. And this one might be yeah, fake, yeah, yeah. but this one might be more on purpose. Well, my favorite part was when they find the picture of the wing, and then he oh matches that up God. with with a drawing of a pteranodon, and he's like, well, I guess this is what we have here. Because the angle of the drawing is the same as the angle of the picture. I don't know if you remember, but in, I think it was in Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, and you were like, the drawings, he did it from the drawings, I was like, wait till we get to Rodan, dude. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. It's... It, it makes no sense. It's just like, oh, that's a vague V shape, and so is that. <laughs> it made me doubt my intelligence, because I was like, which I already do all the time anyways, but yeah, I was like, should. am I so stupid that I think this is the stupidest thing ever when it's actually something really scientific and smart? <laughs> no. Like, is that how dumb I am? No. It was so <laughs> dumb. My favorite part was when he's a paleontologist and he's in a room with like three guys, two guys on one side, another a guy on the other side, if I can remember correctly. And they're like, we think these are dinosaurs. We think, we think these Rodans are dinosaurs. And he's basically like, I don't know, guys. I'm not sure about that. It's like, dude, you're the paleontologist. Why would you even be? Like, none of it makes any sense. And then like... Okay, this is what I wrote down. I don't I don't know. He's like, an hour ago, you thought it was a flying saucer. Then a wing matches up, and a delirious guy tells you it's a pteranodon, which you only know about from fossil records, one-tenth of the size of this animal. Then you somehow figure out the size of the animal by having one five-hundredth of an eggshell that you say looks exactly like a chicken shell, and then you somehow deduce from all of that with a computer that these wings must cause sonic booms. And he was correct. So, sounds like he's pretty damn good at his job. It's just not, It's like so many leaps so fast. We're literally right before they thought it was a flying saucer. And then he's like, I don't know if it's even a dinosaur. And then like, okay, it is. Let me put that in the TI-83 calculator. Oh, shit. This thing could break the Because <laughs> like, dude, this drawing is pretty goddamn accurate. He used like two different colors of black crayon. <laughs> <laughs> um also them saying it looks exactly like a chicken eggshell under a microscope i don't understand the point of that line at all i don't either but no you said you haven't seen mothra versus godzilla right no there's a weird parallel in this because they find a giant mothra egg and they're like well how much is it worth and they're like i'm gonna get this i'm gonna butcher it, but it's something like oh, well, this is 10,000 times the size of a chicken egg, so we'll say it's worth 10,000 chicken eggs. <laughs> Makes like, sense. What is the fascination <laughs> with making sure we know that these weird giant monster eggs are like chicken eggs in these movies? I don't understand. Good shit. 
Good shit. Also, I love that, like, they look under a microscope and a paleontologist is like, spot on. Looks exactly like a chicken egg. So why do you fucking know what a chicken egg looks like under a microscope? Like, right yeah, off the bat. paleontologist. <laughs> I mean, I guess paleo... I mean, chickens are dinosaurs, but did they even know that back then? I don't know. It's weird. I don't think they did. I don't think they did. Okay. Any other uh, dino facts we want to tear apart? <laughs> Pteranodons are from... They've been discovered in North America. Oh, yeah. Like, I think is the same with uh, Angrises. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ankylosauruses, which are not called yeah. Angrises, but they were in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these ones fly, at least, so... You can fly yeah. across the whole ocean. <laughs> yeah, especially they have this huge wingspan. I mean, yeah, this one flies all over the place, so... Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, that is funny. Okay. Other uh other characters are the dumb cops and the dumb military. Very dumb. Very dumb. <laughs> you know when the you, you mentioned it in your synopsis, but there's like the two miners and the cop who go down and they tie themselves together with the cop in the middle. Uh-huh. And then one of the uh guys gets pulled under and then the cop gets pulled under and the other one frees himself and doesn't try to help them, which is great because one of them's a cop. Um did you notice that cop has his flashlight out, but it doesn't look like it's on? No. He's just holding a flashlight. Maybe it's on, but if so, like, it's the weakest bulb I've ever seen. Like, I was pausing it and staring at it, and it just looks like he's holding a flashlight out, but there's no beam. Nothing's being lit up. It's very weird. Maybe, um, maybe there is a, a declaration that all lights had to be turned off in the area to not attract a monster. That would be great, but then so. why are you holding it out, pointing it everywhere you look? Like a fucking he's a cop. He's character. dumb. He's a dumbass cop. I mean, he's on my list of possible dumb cop award winners. I don't know. I have some dumb cop things, but do you, what are the dumb cops you remember, if any, um, or dumb military? When they're chasing the mega larva, um, I love that. Let's just call it that. <laughs> of the hill, and the two cops get like super close to it to shoot it, like. Uh-huh. Why are you getting super close to shoot it? I, I mean, I had you have guns as a ranged weapons. What? I thought they were far away. And then the funny thing to me was that suddenly it appears in front of them. It's like, how did it get so fast? I thought that they were getting way closer than everyone else. They were still out of range. And then the, the mega larvae jumped up close to them. For sure. Um, that could be it. But I, I thought that they were like intentionally like getting closer to it. And it's like, what are you assholes? Bad shots? It's, they are here? very bad shots, as we've seen. <laughs> also, I think it's funny that the uh, the cops are like, oh, what's the line? Uh, it's heading to the slag heap. Is my favorite line in the movie. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Like, just it's going to the slag heap, and then they're all shooting, and none of them are hitting. And it <laughs> makes me think they just really hate the slag heap, and these cops just want to fucking fire into this slag heap They're like fucking slag i don't know what slag is i just know that there's a heap I, of it but they seem to hate it because the thing's just slowly crawling up a hill and these cops who as you mentioned some might be re- way too close are just shooting all into the slag like fucking finally taking out their frustration of their like bullshit uh, uh superiority complexes on this fucking poor slag that did nothing to nobody you know isn't um isn't that one of the elements in uh Borderlands slag? That sounds right. 
obviously Borderlands was heavily influenced by early Toho <laughs> monster movies. I, I think so. <laughs> um, speaking of that scene, those dumb cops, as you said, get too close and they get like eaten and like thrown down the hill. Mm-hmm. And then this the the cop who's kind of leading things just goes, "Damn." <laughs> It's a, that's a good response to what I would say. <laughs> Not like, Jeffrey, no, I promise you I'll avenge you and I'll tell your wife what happened. She's like, damn. Yeah, it's it's a cop. I'm not going to be all emotional about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the cop's thinking. <laughs> the cop's like, well, fucking ACAP, bro. Like, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's the... Uh, God damn it, I can't remember his name. Uh, Christopher Dorner? It's the Christopher Dorner. How did I know you were going to bring up Christopher Dorner? (laughs) You know, you know I'm a member of the Christopher Dorner fan club. Dorner's just always on my mind. It was right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's just like a secret. He's a closet Dorner and he's going to, he was like, oh shit, I got to say something to make it look like I didn't like it when their bodies got flung and they got blown into fucking bits. Damn. (laughs) <laughs> looks left looks right am i good, am I good? <laughs> did you notice that like uh speaking of just cops and military like they're the miners want to go in for like the fifth time to help and then people are like no dude there's giant larvae we got to call the military like wait wait don't go in so they start trying to close up the walls or like the entrance and then tons of military just arrive and they're still just putting up the first supports to block off the entrance like, how did the military get there so fast? They're in, a, like, a remote mining village, and there's suddenly, like, a line of 60 fucking jeeps full of military guys. I think the Japanese defense force is just, uh, <laughs> very bored. <laughs> just, they were, they you were... know, like, like when we were, when we grew up in a shitty, like, suburb, and, like, the cops were just ready to jump on anything because yeah. they wanted to have something to do. They're like, oh, three kids are digging a hole. We're bringing yeah. everybody. Yeah. One kid did a little shrooms. We got two fire trucks, two ambulances, seven cop cars, two cop SUVs. Yeah. For sure. I would bet. That's what I'm guessing would happen. Yeah. Um, the cops who were detectives who were trying to like solve the case of the rich tourists who got killed they just seemed like they were bad at their job like oh look at these pictures they're way too happy for a suicide next (laughs) (laughs) it's not how it works dude yeah and also they were just like oh there's only one shoe on the scene like they never mentioned like anything else about like body like they didn't seem concerned about where the bodies were or like anything else it's just like oh there's a one shoe and a camera not even just one shoe it's that the shoes weren't next to each other usually in suicide they place their shoes politely together this is japan we have like an honor system around suicide and you don't just throw your shoes willy-nilly um which might have been true at the time but at least watching it now is just like that's your detective work like not even yeah. gonna draw chalk around them. Not even gonna like look yeah. at their bodies and see how they died and talk about how they. Died. Well, like, did they? Were, I don't even know if there were bodies there because oh. they didn't mention they didn't mention the bodies themselves. But we saw the bodies so, laying flat on the ground. But wasn't that like during the attack? Do we? I guess. Was but that I after? thought they just died from the sonic boom. Like I don't think they were eaten or anything. But I don't know. 
I'm yeah, not a detective, know. Charlie. I don't know what happened mm, to the bodies. Stop asking me. I, I don't, don't know. know. And if I did, I wouldn't tell you. I feel like you're undercover. Don't fucking say that, man. Copjacking <laughs> is a real fucking problem, and we're not going to deal with it. Yeah, I... Okay. Thank you. So, yeah, they're bad detectives. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike us who, if we were detectives, we would be really good. And some might say mm-hmm. we are detectives, because what is cryptozoology if not detecting cryptids? I've also watched a lot of film noirs, so that helps. Totally. Last military and cop point I wanted to bring up is that at the end, they're like, we got to bomb this volcano. And the seismologist whose job it is to know what will happen if you bomb the volcano is like, don't bomb the volcano, it'll erupt. And the military is like, we don't think it will. And the cops are like, we don't really care. We're just going to do that. Oh, I thought the military was also just basically like, yeah, we don't care. I'm pretty sure there's a line where they say, like, we don't think the chances of that are high enough or something like that. Um, oh, I thought they were I thought they were basically just like, yeah, um, but these things have caused so much destruction that mm. that's OK if, if the volcano erupts. You might be right. I can't remember which one was the cops from the military because they're all the fucking same. They're all bastards. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. They're just usually the military is just younger bastards led by older bastards and cops are all kind of in the middle bastards. Bastards all the way down, baby. <laughs> That's the What's the holding up the earth? Just a shit ton of bastards. <laughs> <laughs> bastards with badges. Okay, so starting out this uh scenery effects in this movie were were so cool i thought they were worth talking about on their own like the i love the map paintings in this movie there's not a ton but i feel like they're great sometimes i'm not sure whether or not there's a ton because i don't know if i'm missing them or not if i don't notice them whoa i like my paintings to look like paint i don't want them to look real okay get out of here james cameron with your hyper realistic map paintings that made you famous just Give me some fucking Bob Ross shit behind some far more detailed humans. I mean, now you're making me feel stupid because I didn't notice until you pointed out that uh, the beginning shot of the mountains was uh, matte painting. So I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, how'd you, how'd you like that matte painting, Charlie? It's pretty neat. <laughs> Mountain it, it didn't look very realistic. I'll say that much. <laughs> I mean, who would think that was real? <laughs> um, well, I guess, so, what uh, would you think of that shot, I guess? I don't know what to say now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked it. I mean, it, it's probably just because I wasn't really paying attention fully, uh, you know, first shot of the movie. Um, Already distracted. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I... I I don't have treatment for my for my ADD, so yes, I often am very distracted and find it very hard to concentrate. Um, Fair. Also, the first time I was watching it, it was like, got home from work and put it on while I'm eating food or whatever. So maybe I was I wasn't fully paying attention. Um, since I'm now the authoritarian, as we've established, I must demand that like you never checked in with me about this whole like having a job outside of this podcast thing so like you need to focus i know i know you're my boss and i didn't fill out the correct paperwork 
But yeah, let's go back to the troll. I thought you episode. were lax because you call yourself an an anarchist. I thought you'd be cool with it. I don't call myself that. I just identify that way because everybody kept saying it about me because I kept lighting shit on fire with my atomic breath. Um, you demanded I put your name in my phone as anarchist rab. That is true, but that was just uh, that's an inside joke that's too dirty to go into on the air. Um, <laughs> we're off that's track what did you think of that mountain made of paint <laughs> <laughs> i liked it the first time i saw this that i thought that's an amazing matte painting it is and a real mountain i went but they didn't shoot it there i i, I get it they did a painting of it we're talking and it looks like a painting to our listeners they don't know all of the things <laughs> you don't hear it all <laughs> We're not just having a conversation, and then you send me. The I know you're gonna, you're gonna hit the edit button. I I get it. <laughs> okay. I feel like. Wait, whoa! Doesn't oso mean bear in Spanish? Whoa! All right, I think we need a. It's a Son of Kong reference. <laughs> what were you gonna say? <laughs> I was going to say, I think we need to go over, re-go over all of our notes and maybe come back tomorrow and finish recording so we can... Get to the bottom of this. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, look, this Oso Mountain thing has really been a disaster. The the mountain has erupted, so... What happened there? Oh. (laughs) I think we should just move on to the next map painting. How do you you feel? All right. Wait, there was another map painting? Yes. Okay. Uh, no, no. Okay. Um, yeah, the map painting of the crater. I, I feel like you're talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whew, you got me. That was good. That one, I I uh, did notice because I thought that one was very obvious. Very obvious. Um, but beautiful. Oh no, it looked great. I I feel like that one was so obvious. Um, because this being in color compared to the black and white of Godzilla, that makes it kind of harder to match up. But yeah, it still looked fantastic. Even if it was obvious that it wasn't actually part of the scenery. I, I love that shot. And I think one of the things that makes it so obvious is also one of the things that makes it quite beautiful is that the crater part of the shot on the left is so still. But right at the edge, the wind is blowing the grass. And it's so beautiful looking. You have the moving bodies, obviously, too. But I love I think that's the best shot of the movie. It's gorgeous. I wonder what they were really looking at. It's like a parking lot. They're like, don't worry, we'll fill it in. Or a picture of me. It was probably a picture of you in 1956. Could be. Other scenery effect uh, I thought was kind of cool is the collapsing ground effects were kind of cool. Yeah, that looked really neat. Um, Did it look to you like a red velvet cake? Chocolate earth red cake? Okay, yeah. Yeah. It looked a lot like a red velvet cake. It didn't wow, look like a red velvet that... cupcake. It looked like a red velvet cake. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought the uh, I thought the eruptions looked pretty good. Um, I especially liked the look of the uh, the lava flowing down. Um, mm. I don't know why that that really jumped out to me. Is it, it looked really neat. Um, maybe it's just like the the vivid coloring of the, with, with the Technicolor film made it look yeah. pretty cool. Especially in such an earth tone film, having that like bright neonish orange. Do you know how they did the lava? I have no idea. I was wondering that actually. Oatmeal. It was dyed really? oatmeal being boiled. 
Wow. Oozing out. It, which, when I watch it knowing that, I still don't get it. <laughs> I don't either, but I'm going to start eating dyed boiled oatmeal because that'll, that'll make me feel cool. Totally. All right, this movie had some gory-ass human deaths. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard saying that, uh, considering this is the episode after um, we did Q. But <laughs> There's some similarities, In terms actually. of... Like, there's no beheadings on screen, but there are, like, cops being flung in funny ways. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yes, in terms of, like, the Showa era. Yeah. Um, this is definitely pretty gory. <laughs> I'm just saying it's coming directly after Q. It's kind of funny to describe this as gory. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but compared to Honda's other work, and even, like, Godzilla yeah. had more tragedy... And more probably on-screen deaths, but this one had more personal deaths. More like yeah, and bloody bodies. More blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, love those bloody-as-fuck cops. Like, they're just, like, bloody-as-fuck cops. Yeah. You were talking about bloody cops. I also love the uh, Air Force person. We, uh, his plane explodes, and the next shot is, like, his helmet covered in blood. Dude, that plane just pops in half. Yeah. And then his the helmet just falls. It's so good. I love the pop. Oh, he's dead. Oh, it's over. <laughs> just from we got from from uh fucking Rodan flying near him. Like <laughs> Um, I feel like the first gory human death is Yoshizo, who we see floating in the water, and he's dead from a head wound. Mm-hmm. The next scene is the weirdest, most nonsensical thing I can think of. They rush him in to the hospital because they're not sure if he's dead or not and we don't know as the audience if he's dead or not and then we see a, a a like surgery room or a doctor's room right and there's a table and there's nurses and there's doctors and the doctors have their hands up like you know how surgeons hold them up like they already washed them and they don't want to touch anything so they, they're trying to keep it whatever and they throw yoshizo onto the table and the surgeons and the nurses immediately start scrubbing the body with, like, paper towels or something. And then another doctor, at the same time, is walking over to, like, a table. And I think it's Shimuru or Shigeru. I'm not sure. And he says, like, what's going on? And the doctor's like, he didn't make it. He's dead. So they already knew this man was dead before he entered the room. But the surgeons are all holding their hands up like they're about to do surgery and can't touch anything. And then all of them just start furiously scrubbing a body. There's like six fucking doctors and nurses scrubbing a dead body that they already know is dead while making sure they didn't have any bacteria on their hands. Like, it makes no fucking sense. That's a good point. (laughs) It's so weird. I couldn't. It wasn't until my third watch that I was like, wait, what? Why are they, what's the <laughs> point of any of this? Yeah, I definitely did not catch that, but that's good catch. Charlie, where's my water? <laughs> I thought you were looking around for me. Nope. <laughs> I was very confused. <laughs> so are those nurses and doctors, you know? Get used to it. Learn some empathy. Put yourself in their position. That's a good point. They have to scrub a dead body. They don't know why. You're right. I'm going to start sympathizing more with doctors. <laughs> Oh my god, I almost choked on my water. That was good. (laughs) Okay. Also, there's some pretty graphic descriptions outside of all the dead bodies. Like, god, there was one part where they're like, uh, 
they're describing a body that I think died off screen that we don't see. And they're like, yeah, his head was just dangling. Yeah. Um, the specific quote was head was left dangling by a scrap of skin. That's pretty um, gnarly. Yeah. That's, uh, this is brutality. <laughs> that, that's brutality there. What was the, what was the mound called? Slit sludge mound. Uh, this is getting way too sexual. No, the... Uh, hold on. Oh, Slag Heap. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say he's dangling by a slag. I'm just <laughs> Not relevant. Okay. Still sounds very sexual. So, did you... <laughs> Jesus. Did you like... The gory deaths in this, did you feel like they worked or did you feel like they took you out of it? No, I feel like they worked. Um, I mean, like I said before, this is this is definitely one of more horror focus than what we'll, we'll, we get through a lot of these. So the gory deaths in particular really worked. But um, yeah, I liked, I mean, of course I liked the gory deaths. You know who you're talking to? True. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, so... When you went to watch Rodan for the first time in the last week or two, did you have any idea that the Mega Nulons or anything like them would be in it? Nope. I thought there was going to be one Rodan, and they were going to be throughout the movie. Yeah, I thought it was going to be black and white. <laughs> so, what did you think when when suddenly there's these weird fucking... I... <laughs> yeah, what did you think? I, I liked it a lot. It, it added a little thing that i wasn't expecting it was uh cool and then uh these things are like the size of a cow they're murdering all these people and then you know 45 minutes in all of a sudden we see that these things are basically just worms to the fucking dance yeah it's uh it's uh it's a really cool kind of little way of displaying the 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 size and power of the of the rodans uh, that they use there and it's a cool way of like suspending the monster to later so that the monster yeah. reveal is cool but without making it so nothing's happening horror wise till then yeah and also it's like we were showing how bad these things were the whole time yeah. well, this thing is just fucking food for totally. these fuckers and it's also like you asshole Americans, you think them was scary? <laughs> the creatures in them are just food for our monsters. Yeah, that's <laughs> sick. I love that fucking shade. Did they make you laugh at all, though, at first? Like, they're pretty funny looking, the Mega Nulons. To me, I... Yeah. They're like little disco boys. <laughs> disco boys? Their eyes look like disco balls, and their like movement looks like funny dancing to me. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, I, I I thought I was being creative just now, but I'm looking. My point number two after sound is slightly less annoying than them ant sound is first shot is so funny, wavy disco boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It looks so funny walking to me. It's like so clearly people in suits, but it's cute and funny. And like, I think it works in like a wild sci-fi way. Like I... I laughed yeah. and then I was excited when I saw it. I was like, oh, this is so different. This isn't the formula I was expecting. It's just fun, campy awesomeness, you know? Yeah, I I, I really loved that. I was not expecting it at all. And I'm glad that that's how it was. Totally. Um, 
And similarly, I was not expecting a second road, a uh, second Dan. So that totally. was pretty cool too. The Mega Nulons, like they look funny the whole time, and they look cute the whole time. But even when they're being shot with a machine gun and they're just like dancing and like holding their <laughs> like hands a disco up boy. like crabs, they're so <laughs> funny. Um, even their <laughs> death cries are cute. Like when the one finally dies, it's like me, 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 me. And there's the two that kind of caress each other in the cave, like they just start like rubbing faces. I don't know. They're just they're just cute, and it's funny that these like things are so it. I don't know. It has like a weird anime feel. Like they're so cute and silly, but they're just these like terrors that are like destroying <laughs> humans. It's pretty great. So um yeah, the paleontologist says that these are just the larvae of giant dragonflies called meganulon. So these actually aren't meganulons. They're meganulon larvae that will turn into dragonflies. And man, I'd love to see those giant dragonflies. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like, uh, give me some of those dragonflies. I, I listened to a podcast recently about Rodan that was, one of the guys was like, did you know that the meganulons are just, like, that? what they turn into is... um." Megalon from Godzilla. Oh, I thought you were going to say Jag Jaguar. No. Uh, Megalon and the other guy's like, I didn't know or that. Jet that's Jaguar. crazy. And then I did a bunch of looking into it, and that's just not true at all. Well, what's the what's the movie from like the late 90s or the early 2000s um, where they reappear? Don't they turn into something? It's got to be Final Wars or Tokyo SOS or something. No, no, no. It's uh, Godzilla versus Mega... Oh, Megagirus? Yeah, they're they're in that movie. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe yeah, I, I haven't okay, we have I haven't to... seen that, but I know that they reappear in that. Okay, I I might have misunderstood what the person in the podcast was saying, and if so, I apologize, Mister Podcaster. Yes, Mister Joe. I don't know. So I was trying to think of a famous podcaster, but I'm too drunk to think of any. Joe names. Rogan. Yes. Going, Joe. At first, I was going to do Dan Harmon, but then I couldn't think of his name. And Here, I'm gonna, I was. <laughs> I'm going to do my Joe Rogan impression. You say, uh, "Megalon, uh, Mega Neurons turn into Mega Gearus. Mega Neurons turn into Mega Gearus. It's entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay so we don't know what we're talking about but in like two years when we get to the 2000s movies we'll fucking crack this egg wide open yeah and at that time we'll also be uh inviting tons of right-wing um media people on and not questioning them at all in any uh position that they push totally that that's uh i don't get where you're going with that i don't really understand <laughs> but like dmt is pretty sick um <laughs> Okay, so, um, yeah, so they're larvae of a giant uh, dragonfly called the Meganulon. So these are Meganulon larvae, and then the paleontologist says that the temperature and humidity of the caves is perfect for the larvae to finally hatch. And so it, it just is hinting a little towards the, like, mining and global warming could lead to things that we don't understand happening that have detrimental effects. You know, fucking with the earth this much you might get some uh, squealy little three-person suit crabby, grabby boys. Doesn't he mention how um, hydrogen tests uh, had an effect on the Earth's crust, or possibly 
hydrogen tests had an effect on the Earth's crust that could have contributed to the hatching of the eggs and putting them in the position where they would be hatched. He only, yes, he only references that in regards to Rodan, but we we could assume that it might be related. Okay, you're right, I'm dumb. Go on. Um, cool. Do you want to move on from our little squirmy boys to our big flappy boys? The Dans. Let's do it. Let's start off with, with the young Rodan, the just born Rodan. Um, so this is in the flashback that you said was your favorite scene. So go for it. What's, why, why do you like the scene? Right. So I like the scene. So maybe my all time favorite writer is, uh, Lovecraft. Definitely top tier. I have a Lovecraft tattoo. And this scene in my mind was very Lovecraftian because it kind of plays as a nightmare where he kind of like gets up. First, he sees bats moving around and then he sees a bunch of the mega larvae, which uh, up until right before this point, he thought there was only one. And then like as soon as he gets into this cavern, he discovers there's more than one and he sees a bunch of them and then he looks up. And he's all disoriented, and there's this fucking gigantic egg, and the egg cracks open, and this pteranodon, aka the lizard bird named Dan, breaks out, and these fucking mega larvae are just little baby larvae compared to it, and it's just like eating them like it's just worms, and it's such just horrifying nightmarish concept and it's kind of portrayed that visually to the to the watcher of the movie and in in lovecraft in his stories one of the big things is that knowledge of the existence of these uh you know these outer creature gods and monsters can cause you to lose sanity and this causes him to lose his memory so it's very kind of similar in that way Cthulhu shit yeah it played out kind of like a very Lovecraftian to me where it's just this horrific night nightmarish scenario totally I mean I just love that whole scene is so full it's like a cool and creepy Mm -hmm. set there's mushrooms and shit like you said there's the bats there's the mega nulons it's fucking awesome and then the only thing that I, I I guess I question is when when Rodan is born like the first Rodan he is not like, yes, the scale is scary. He eats that Megan Newland, but he is so cute. Like, he's <laughs> dancing right off the bat. He's like this cute puppet. Like, everybody, everybody's like, son of Godzilla this and son of Kong that, but baby Rodan is the real goddamn cutie. Like, he just looks like a Jim Henson little, like, with his wings fucking up in the air, like, arm. I don't know. He's so cute in this scene. Nobody says Son of Godzilla is cute. Nobody likes Son of Godzilla or Son of Kong. <laughs> I mean, I could at least see an argument for Son of Kong being cute, okay. but <laughs> not Son of Godzilla. My partner Ira thinks Son of Godzilla is cute, but tomato, tomato. Uh, well, I guess I don't respect their intelligence that much. The amount of times I say tomato, tomato when it doesn't make sense on this podcast, it's like a problem <laughs> I really have to address. <laughs> I don't know. I think everybody likes it. I think that's where <laughs> half our fan base comes from. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure that we're referencing Rotten Tomatoes as much as possible so people start rating us on there for no reason. <laughs> Rotten Tomato Tomato. 
Okay. What about the actual, the, the big ones, the Rodans? What do you think before we see the like costume? It starts off with this like UFO quote unquote doing a double backflip loop. And it's like maybe a drawing with like with this weird vapor trail. Uh, what did you think of that as as a, as our first kind of shot of the big Rodan? Uh, yeah, that was neat. I thought it looked kind of funny. Yeah, it 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 was kind of funny. Um, I have to say, kudos to uh to the the team behind this that um they made Godzilla, and they create Suitmation, and then the other team does uh, Anguirus, and then they're already on their on the third movie of Suitmation, they're like, let's just go for fucking flying. Yeah, that's like, that's bold. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would think you would want to wait a while before you work up to that, but they're just like, let's just fucking go for it. Yeah, <laughs> I think playing into that, I I think that this is like the peak of Showa era Toho effects, and you can mm-hmm. really tell that they weren't. This didn't feel kitschy or like silly or B movie to them at all they were like let's no. put everything we can do into this yeah it, some of it worked some of the flying stuff looks pretty silly but yeah the amount you can tell that they care and that they put everything they had into it it really shows yeah definitely yeah and there's some shots where like you can see the wires holding him up when he flies and stuff but yeah i i watch lots of like universal and hammer horror movies where like whenever there's a bat like the string is very clearly like there so like i'm like watching this where a wire is holding like a human being up in like a 200 pound suit and i'm like yeah i'm gonna i'm just gonna be completely fine with that yeah (laughs) totally (laughs) um well before we get to the suit so yeah, we had the 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 UFO kind of looking thing, and the which I'm assuming is just like a drawing. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of funny that he has a vapor trail. I I feel like like I don't know. I've read a lot of things saying that doesn't really make sense for a flying dinosaur to have a vapor trail, um, because vapor trails are caused by heat. But I I could see two reasons for it. One being he's a volcano beast, which. If you've seen uh, King of the Monsters, the 2019 Godzilla movie, they really play into that with Rodan, and it's awesome. Never it's, seen it. You, Rodan's intro in King of the Monsters is fucking amazing. You'll really like it when you watch it, Charlie. But the other, I think, idea for why they might be doing this is that I think they're trying to draw a little bit of a parallel between Rodan and planes that would have been bombing tokyo not too long before it would have been bombing japan um and so they're like drawing a parallel between this beast and the horrors that like america had wrought onto japan so those are my reasons that i think it's okay even though there's a lot of people who really don't like the vapor trail but i think like either metaphorically or symbolically or um because they're saying he's like got the heat or they've got the heat of the volcano in them either one i think works for me as it being kind of a cool effect maybe um because it's got it's going at such super fast speeds that creates the heat that creates the vapor like i i was watching videos about mantis shrimps last night oh that's just crazy dude i dove in uh i did i snorkeled in florida where there were shrimps around me that were doing the closing thing that was so loud you could hear it underwater yeah it's fucking cool yeah because mantis shrimps when they punch it creates heat 
that's uh, the same as the surface of the sun. Holy shit. So, because it's like such an insane spring-loaded speed. Yeah. So like, and it like maybe, breaks the uh, sound barrier, right? It's like pop. Yeah. So maybe um, that's that's what's going on with uh, the speeds that... Look, I'm not a scientist. Lies. I don't call myself... scientists. We're not pseudoscientists. Break the fucking mold. We don't study mold. We're not scientists. We're not pseudoscientists. I don't like mold. Mold's boring. <laughs> okay, so then we get to the actual Rodan suit, which is supposed to represent a beast with a 270-foot wingspan. That's... It's pretty big. That's a large wingspan. I think he gets shrunk down a little in the later movies. Yeah, well, even in this, uh, so that is actually one of my problems with the movie. It's not consistent. Like when we, yeah, well, when we see the baby and it's just eating those uh, cow-sized uh, mega larvae, like they're just just worms to it. I don't feel like the the adult Rodans kind of portray that scale of size the, to the same extent. That was something I immediately picked on up on. Like that doesn't feel very consistent size wise. But yeah, the only whatever. reason I feel like I didn't have a strong problem with that is I don't think when Godzilla sticks over the hill in his first shot, it's consistent with the size he is later. Um, we mm-hmm. know for a fact that King Kong on the island is thirty feet, but King Kong in New York is something like fifty feet. So it just felt normal yeah. to me. But I I did do agree that it takes me out of it a little. Like when I saw him eating the larvae it was just like no that's not your size i know that's not your size yeah (laughs) and it's one of those things where i'm like if i'm thinking of this movie as this is a real monster who's causing these things it's harder to swallow if i'm thinking this movie as the monster is completely just a symbol for things that humanity needs to worry about then i don't care about the size at all so i find myself kind of in between those two worlds balancing you know Mm mm-hmm I thought in general he looked pretty awesome, but th- to me the parts where he looked the worst, Rodan, where, where Rodan looked the worst was when they're taking off looks really funny almost every time to me. It just doesn't make yeah. sense. I feel like Rodan's best stuff was the close-up shots where he's like on the ground, like in the city, destroying shit. Yeah. And you see like the, the stuff, the military firing on him, I think. That was definitely his best stuff. And yeah, kind of the the flying stuff, especially the stuff where he's more in the distance that kind of looks sillier and yeah. less yeah. realistic. And it's like, it's this weird dichotomy where it's like there's never a hybrid. Like it's either he's taking off and he's flapping and he looks funny flapping or he's gliding with his arms totally, or with his wings totally straight. And there's no kind uh-huh. of in between. So it just kind of feels silly. I mean, it's, it's a hundred pound costume being held up by piano wire. So I understand. Um, yeah. but it is silly. <clears throat> the, the shot where he dives into the water is very funny looking, but I'm assuming you already know the story behind that shot, right? Yes. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? Like the wire broke or something and he fell in the water and they had to help him out before he drowned or something like that. Right. Yeah. It was, it was Nakajima who, has already been through hell in these suits and he dropped 25 feet on accident into the water. 25 feet is a long fucking distance to drop in a hundred pound suit with holes in it for breathing into the water when no one is preparing for you to be in the water. And that shot's still in the film and it's funny. It does not look right. (laughs) Like it does not. I know AG Subaraya, the effects supervisor director or whatever 
his whole thing is always no special effect shot ever goes wrong. No matter what, there's something you can use. And you can really feel that weird mentality here because it's like, you shouldn't have used this. It looks like a guy in a suit <laughs> flopping into the water for no reason on accident. And then apparently when they lifted him out of the water, they reattached the wires, but he was so full of water that it was twice as heavy and they almost broke oh, again Jesus. when he was coming out. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, bro, we got this. That's... Yeah, filmmaking at its finest. Yeah, totally. But yeah, that shot looks silly. Anytime he takes off or lands to me looks pretty silly, but I agree that like him gliding and him like standing there flapping his wings always looks pretty chill. Looks pretty uh-huh. My favorite shot is probably when uh the building where the military is when uh Dan's destroying the city and like all of a sudden it, it's outside of that building and you, you see the shot from inside the building out the windows and you see yeah. Rodan like throughout the uh out the windows and then he fucking rocks the building that shit's great like i I don't know how they did that it's really good yeah it's awesome um i love when he's just standing there while all the tanks and anti-aircraft vehicles are pounding away at him for so long and he's just waving his arms not giving a fuck he's just like here i am (laughs) i'm not flying away i'm just standing here just fuck your shit Other than talking about the ending, which we'll get to later, any other stuff you want to talk about about Rodan themselves? At the end of the the city destruction, there's a couple of shots of like the city on fire that are like really, really awesome shots that uh, were some of my favorite shots in the movie. They reminded me a lot of the main Tokyo attack scene in Godzilla, where just everything's on fire. It's it's something I feel like yeah. you won't see for quite a while after this. Mm-hmm. It was very heavy, but also, like, gorgeously shot, and it was it was neat. Yeah. I mean, I think those shots, which are beautiful, are are part of the reason that I kept starting to associate the imagery of Rodan with bomber planes, because it felt like, oh, this is probably similar to the planes that went yeah. flew by. I mean, Rodan looks a lot like a B-2 bomber to me, and B-2 bombers didn't exist yet then, but, like... If this movie had been made now, I'd be like, oh, that's supposed to be a B-2 bomber. But because it's before that happened, I'm just assuming it's kind of like what bombing planes were like back then. Yeah, that makes sense, especially with people who were involved with the war. Well, speaking of buildings being on fire, um, let's move on to the destruction that Rodan causes, which I like Rodan in this movie. But I think the coolest part of the action of this movie is Rodan's effect on the world. Well, you already mentioned Rodan. The first, I feel like, attack is just flying by a a plane and popping it open and the helmet flying out, which is a pretty cool destructive force. It's interesting. It's a very unique way he causes damage. I mean, even when when he's destroying the city, a lot of it is just him flying by, uh, which is very... Dude's just trying to fly. I mean, I, I can't hold it too much against him. Oh, not at all. And it's very similar, though, in a weird... It's, like, too similar to Mothra in a way that, that to me, felt like, man, really? With Mothra, this is their next big monster movie? I guess Varen, but Varen's always forgotten about. And it's like, oh, you're just doing Rodan, but less gnarly. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But, I mean, I just just feel bad for him. Oh, yeah. they're They're just trying to fly around. It's like when you're... Cruising down the PCH in your Toyota Corolla, 
and you're going over the speed limit and buildings are just falling apart around you and then all of a sudden the military and police start chasing you yeah that's not we've all cruising usaid we know the we know the problems it it sucks yeah totally yeah put in your quarter people are mad at you Um, yeah i feel bad for these for these dan's I mean, even more, I can't get over you calling them dance. I've literally never heard that or seen that, ever. (laughs) I create the reality you want to live in. That's my motto. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, even more than Godzilla, I think the reason the end of this feels so tragic for the monsters is they did nothing but eat bugs and fly. And yeah. Uh, Godzilla was like, oh, you're in my way and you're attacking me? Fuck you, Bob. But, like, Rodan doesn't even retaliate. Like, they just shoot him mm. with all this shit and then he flies away and it kills him. <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, when and that, that part in the city where he's just kind of, like, standing there and they're all just unloading on him. He's just kind of like, what the fuck's going on? I'm yeah. just having a good time. <laughs> He's having a good time still. He's like, is this what you all want? Should I perform for yeah. shimmy for you? But yeah, I, I like how there's some personal killings, I guess, before he destroys the whole city kind of to lead up. So there's like the plane and then there's that Jeep that flies and like smashes into rocks and the body flies out of the Jeep, which is like really intense, especially after Godzilla when we saw the toy trucks fall over and there's no one in them. In this, they're uh-huh. like, let's get a body and have it slam into the rocks. <laughs> and he's in that dog fight and takes out two planes by flying and then there's like the really good suspense lead up to the real destruction of the city where like alarms are going off in the cities and people are looking up to the sky when we can't see what they're looking at and i feel like it builds some really good suspense before the real destruction starts yeah and like you said that does kind of make it seem more like a metaphor for um uh, uh bombers coming mm. in the city you're right and then i i really liked there's that bridge scene and we see like three military planes some fly under and some fly over but then rodan flies over and the bridge just collapses and it really yeah. shows the difference like these planes had just done that and they'd been fine but rodan just flies near the bridge and it just fucking exp- like breaks in half <laughs> I believe that is at a point where, or maybe this happened later, but one of the pilots, like, calls to uh, command or whatever, and they say, uh, we've shot it and we've we've made it go, like, half speed or something like that, but it's still, it's uh, supersonic destruction is still just fucking destroying buildings around it. That's how fast it is. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then it gets to the city, and man, this is some of my favorite destruction. Like, as you know, we've talked about this. I really like it when a giant monster is just destroying a city versus when two monsters are fighting. Joker fight. Still haven't seen that movie, but this is Never some of, this is some of my favorite of that. It looks so good. Like it, it gets to the city, it flies over, and cars and buses are just flying rooftops are collapsing tiles individual tiles are flying off people are clearly inside the buildings like they just go nuts with it there's sparks there's wind there's tiles flying i don't i don't know what to say it looks fucking great yeah i love the the 
after the um the egg hatching scene that was that's my favorite scene it's just the destruction of the city it looks so amazing um and it definitely helps that it's in color uh it's just it's really great scenes of destruction that i feel like we're not gonna get a lot more in the show era um, there's some in mothra that's kind of similar and i haven't seen the next two movies we're, we're doing but yeah it's it definitely you know the budgets go down i mean it costs like i mean say not only the budgets go down but they they try to appeal more to a younger audience yeah. so they're not as interested in uh city destruction totally i can't remember the amount but it's some crazy amount like the city they built for this the models cost like eight million yen or some number i can't fathom and then Subaraya got there and he hated it so much he smashed it all and made them redo it Um, (laughs) so it cost them so much money and then they had to like reinforce the models some of the model buildings with steel beams so that the person sitting so that nakajima in the rodan costume in a hundred pound extra costume could stand on top of the buildings they had to hold him up like they put a lot of money and time into these sets and i think it's it's the peak of the show era destruction yeah for sure and yeah there's so many different shots where people are inside the buildings it's just not something i'm used to and it really adds to the horror element it adds to like the 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 gravity of the situation um and it looks fucking good for 1956, it looks crazy good. Yeah, it's very surprising uh, when I think about when this movie was made in 1956. It definitely, if you had shown this to me without context, I would think like late 60s, early 70s or something. Yeah, I would think 70s for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else about destruction of cities and stuff? Mm, burn all cities. Let the people get out and then, yeah. Um, yeah I'm an anarchist. What can I say? Shut the fuck. <laughs> commies idiots um <laughs> okay moving on to military stuff just a, a a few things like i thought the actual airplane shots from the air like moving forward with the plane really helped make the shots of the planes that we see from the ground like following rodan work like you're seeing these things you're like is that a drawing is that and then you see the close-ups from the planes and i i thought it really integrated it in a way that made it feel real to me you know yeah i also did you notice the shot of the tanks that they used three times no but i'm just saying a lot of the footage of the of the military firing off was very repetitive so it it wouldn't surprise me if they reused footage this wasn't like reused multiple times throughout the film this is in a row like basically Mm. The camera is on the ground and it pans to the right and then you see a tank close up with people hanging off it and they follow the tank to the left and then as soon as that tank gets far to the left it shoots to the right and in the middle of that shoot it cuts back to the same footage and you see the same tank and then it does it again (laughs) to make it look like there's a row of tanks but it's just footage of one tank going by (laughs) and it's very obvious like once you notice it i went back and it's like the people have the same expressions on their face they're sitting in the same positions it's the same tank three (laughs) times in a row like boom 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 it's just kind of funny also towards the end the military just blasts the mountains for so long yeah, I mean, um, that yeah, that was my big one of my biggest, maybe my biggest gripe in the movie was first of all 
the solution was basically let's trigger this volcano by yeah. shooting it with weapons, yeah. which in raids again, it's basically a similar solution where let's just uh, shoot the mountain and uh, uh, cause an avalanche. So it's basically the same exact solution. And just like in raids again, it's just an excessive amount of watching the military fire off against the mountain. And it's just so boring. Like, yeah, somehow even longer. Yeah, like I earlier in the movie, there is an excessive amount of watching the military fire off against Dan, but it was okay because we got to see shots of Dan like reacting yeah. to it. But this was just so much of them just firing off against the mountain. It's just like it's I like don't care. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, at the time, those effects were so ground groundbreaking that people loved it. It mm-hmm. was like holy shit, this looks so good, we have to keep it. But now it's just so boring. Yeah, like, and it's like the same sound effects, like, yeah. just repeated a hundred times. Yeah. Just like, okay. I mean, that... you know you know how they hated that, that slag heap and they're just shooting at it? This to me was <laughs> just like, man, they really... I thought they hated the slag heap, but they hate the volcano way more than the slag yeah. heap. They're just like, <laughs> fuck you! all right should we move on to the uh the messages the themes the politics of rodan what does it all mean why are we here who are we thinking about and why do we think about rodan i'm thinking about that farah that nobody dealt with and how i wished i had a rodan on my team to deal with her this is an overwatch reference for people who don't know farah is a character in okay (laughs) themes so obviously nature is a big theme mining global warming h-bombs how we are changing the earth leads to horrors awakening and the horrors that awaken the rodans it's not their fault it's our fault for creating them you know which Mm -hmm. pretty big parallel between this and godzilla but it's not one issue, it's just kind of a broader issue, which I actually kind of like, you know? It's not like, we just need to get rid of this one thing. It's like, we need to rethink our, our relationship with nature. What do you think about yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, well, another aspect of that is that the paleontologist says, like, maybe it's a hydrogen bomb test that woke that, that, that caused this, but I don't know for sure. It's kind of more ambiguous, uh, the cause of it, as opposed to Godzilla. True. Yeah, there's no message at the end that's like, so if we keep looking into nuclear bombs, this might happen again. It's it's more ambiguous, yeah. but it also ties some strings together between all these different things that make it more like a systemic analysis rather than just like, militaries are fine, it's just this one technology that's bad, which is kind of, yeah. could be an interpretation of Godzilla. This is more... Our way of thinking about this stuff is bad, you know. Yeah. Um. There, there's a line in the in the movie that's nature is more mysterious than we can imagine, which I think kind of adds to that. You know, we we don't know what will happen with fu- when we're fucking with the earth in all these different ways, but we're still doing it anyway. Yeah, you can also read a a, a concept of you know as humanity expands and continues to expand we're going to extract 
more and more from the earth because that's uh, the the necessity that we need to have for civilization and expansion, but we're essentially drawing out the resources of the earth and this, uh, you know, Rodan can be a, a force of the earth fighting back against us drawing out all of its resources. Totally. You know, Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> no, I agree. And I think an added part of this is is similar to Godzilla and the anti-military sentiment, but it, it becomes more environmental in Rodan. Like uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier, the military just wants to bomb again and again, despite the fact that no bullet or bomb so far has helped kill Rodan <laughs> or even the Mega Neurons. Like, it, or even Godzilla. Yeah, totally. Um, and the seismologist says this could cause an eruption. And the military is like, that might be good. That might help. And then the seismologist says, what happens when the lava reaches the foothills? And uh, the military says, well, don't worry, we'll evacuate. And the seismologist is like, what about the forests and the fields? Like the, the yeah. seismologist is like pointing out, this isn't just about the humans and the buildings. This is about our food sources, the fields and our like bio fucking diversity with, with, mm-hmm. the, with the forests. And that's something I, I think really makes this message maybe it's not as strong and direct as godzilla but it's broader and kind of like almost more uh important for our current era you know yeah uh 100 and it really drives it home in the last in the last scene when they're all i mean I, i'm sorry i'm jumping ahead of schedule no, 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 do your thing um i love it but yeah i mean they're all the military and the miners and the scientists are all watching together the uh volcano erupt and kill the dans and uh when both of them are like confirmed killed all the military people say all right you know job's done let's go on and they all just kind of just turn around walk away like it's nothing and then you see all the 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 scientists and the miners and the villagers there they're they're kind of like looking on and like just despair and just like confusion and just it's such a huge thing that they're trying to cope with and the military are just like oh it's nothing we did our job we we killed yeah. the dance we're we're good good point for sure and i and i personally think i mean i mean yeah obviously like what i think part of what that those scenes are showing not just as the military's indifference which is like obviously what they're showing but also that like they fucked up the earth to release Rodan and mm-hmm. now their plan to kill it is to fuck up the earth more. And that yeah. that's not like a good fucking thing. Like that everybody else, but the military sees how appalling that is. And that's why they're staring yeah. at it. They're like, not only are we sad about these particular beasts dying, but we're sad about the fact that the institutions that we're relying on to protect us, like uh, our fucking state their mentality is do the thing that we know is bad more and harder. Yeah, they're just, the military is just concerned on what the immediate solution is, who gives a shit what uh, any kind of ramifications uh, or lasting effects are of that solution. It's just about the immediate solution. And if we get that immediate solution, then we're done. We can go home. Yeah, totally. 
And I personally think that the the stunning beauty of the scenery that's so focused on, from the matte paintings to the earth tones to just, like, the many shots of, like, waving grass and long landscape shots is all trying to help fortify this in us, to help make us think about the earth versus the, like, destruction that we're causing to it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Anything else about nature before we move on? Nature's pretty cool. It's decent. You know, we are, yeah. but who's to say what's decent and not? I was watching some videos of mooses earlier this week. They're pretty crazy. They're, they're really big. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching videos of, like, full-grown huge they're mooses. like huge. Those are, like, some fucking prehistoric shit. That's just, yeah. I did not realize how big they were. They're so big. Like, I feel like I would go up to, like, a little past their knee. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Trip. Totally. All right, that's, I want a kaiju that, moose, dude. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be cool. Let's move on to another theme of the movie, which um, I'm going to call, I guess, like, labor or workers or whatever. Like, obviously, we, we mentioned before this movie is not about the white-collared people for once, and that's a rare thing here, so there's got to be a reason, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you think about that? As a member of the proletariat, I appreciated it. Hell yeah. But yes, I mean, you know, uh, outside of that humorous answer, um, if you didn't find that humorous, then fuck you. Yeah, fuck you, yeah, bourgeoisie, not laughing at the proletariat's jokes. This is how we fucking get by, okay? Yeah, if you didn't laugh at that, you must not appreciate the uh, labor focus of this movie. So, uh, fuck you. Go listen to a podcast about um, Titanic. <laughs> yeah, a, a good call. A, a famous movie that has no labors in it. That doesn't talk about classism at all or, you know, stratify it based on the levels of the ship people are on. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> fucking dumb proletariat doesn't know about Titanic. <laughs> I couldn't think of a movie. Wolf that... of Wall Street. Same guy. I've never seen it. It's got it's about it says Wall Street in the name. I've heard good things about it, so it's I fine. thought that was a good movie. Okay. Um yeah, I it's it's fun seeing a movie focused on miners, um and how uh, uh the, the the miners uh the dirt they they're never shown as being uh, shitty. Yeah. For a minute, we're like they're like, oh, maybe this one miner started murdering people and cutting off their fucking heads. Nope, it wasn't him. It was the megalarvae. Um, <laughs> I love that you're just inventing all these words, dans and megalarvae. It's great. Keep it going. I create the reality I want to live in, and so uh, yeah, uh, let's go miners. Hell yeah, I I. I've said this before, but I really want a modern remake of Rodan where it focuses even more on like the miners struggle as like the, their mining jobs being like j just the, the shit they have to deal with as workers before the monster stuff comes up. And then mm. I want the soundtrack of the movie as it gets more intense or throughout to be the band Panopticon's album Kentucky, which is a metal slash bluegrass slash like 
pro labor album to i just think that would be a fucking sick modern take on rodan they could do it really good yeah hollywood but picture this okay a movie that examines the uh miner's plight mate one style mate one soundtracks by new metal better that could be good that could, who knows who's to say what's better idea okay so yeah, I love better. that they focus on the workers. Definitely it's really better. rare for this. I kind of wanted to read some passages from Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men about Takeshi Kimura. He's one of the writers for this movie. And I feel like the background of this writer might give us some insight as to why the focus was on the laborers. Is that cool with you? Yeah. Jumping out with that, I want to say in Kalat's book, he points out that... um. Honda said that Kimura was like a political writer and like most of yeah. uh, Kimura's scripts were kind of like more politically focused. But yeah, go ahead. Totally. And yeah, like this one shows the laborers, as we've said, like they're risking their lives to help all the paleontologists, the newspaper reporters, the cops, and the military are largely inept. And I don't know for sure, but based on what I've been reading about this guy for like since we started this series, I this is the first movie we've watched where he was one of the writers, and so I thought this was this was relevant. So again, this is from Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men. Honda was once quoted as saying, if the story was very positive or even childish, it would go to Mr. Sekizawa. If it was negative or involved politics, it would go to Mr. Kimura. And Kimura was an unhappy and introverted man whose grim and mature themes radiated through such films as Radon, The First Gas Human, Motango, Gorath, and Frankenstein vs. Subterranean Monster Baragon. Mr. Kimura was very energetic, director Yoshimitsu Bano told writer Brent Homanek. He was a communist for quite a while, so during school and everything else, they'd have the songs that they'd sing and get very emotional. During those times, Mr. Tanaka would have him run errands. He'd be more of a gopher than anything else because he was hard to deal with. When he turned 40, he quit communism and was a lot easier to work with. Which is a quote I've been holding on to since before we started recording this podcast. But finally, he's a writer on this. Um, <laughs> one last, one last uh, quote from the book from a different part. Kimura's screenplays frequently involved outsiders not fitting into the mainstream of society and their subsequent rejection by authority. And his treatment of the white-collar professionals in Radon is biting. So yeah, I I just can't help but think that the fact that this guy was a communist, was very political, was very mm. cynical, led to the fact that um, a lot of the portrayals of the white-collar people in this movie are considered by people to be satire. I feel like some of it went over my head, being like an American watching this stuff for so far later, it's subtitled, but that the workers are shown as being awesome and the professionals are shown as being inept. Uh, it, it felt like it clearly fit into that. Yeah, uh, I mean, that makes sense. Definitely the couple that goes to the crater to their uh, <laughs> photographs. And, and they're like, like Hawaiian shirts or some shit. We see them like beforehand talking to their servants like, no, we'll be fine. I'll just talk to my friends there and they'll let me through. Yeah. And like, I was just like, I hope these people fucking die. Yeah. And uh, they did die. And I was yep. like, I guess this writer's a communist, and I like them. Totally. So, it's nice being a 
proved correct. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, as far as political themes, I do feel like this movie has some hints at geopolitics. We've already pretty much covered them. Rodan seems kind of like a bomber plane. Uh, at points, people in the story aren't sure if this is a UFO or a foreign secret weapon. And then the fact that it just flies from Japan to China to the Philippines to Japan again is kind of showing like the the the, the globalization that is really spreading after World War Two. But that's all I really um, got on any of that. Well, I mean, uh, probably point out that um, the reason it was to be able to fly so quickly between all those places because there is more than one. True. But yeah. But also, it's going at supersonic speeds, like one point five times the speed of. I know. Some shit. But they specifically say, like, there was a sighting at 11 in Beijing or something, and then there was a sighting at 11.20 in Manila. So it has to be more than one. Um, Yeah, I guess to me it was just interesting that I I think this is the first one, obviously the Toho series, that not only left Japan, but was like a problem everywhere simultaneously. And I think mm-hmm. they're maybe saying something about either environmentalism or, 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 or the current state of politics where, like, problems aren't isolated anymore, you know? For sure. I thought it was also a cool potential setup for a sequel that didn't happen, where it's like, they don't know how many of these are out there. They just see yeah. all these fucking, this crazy shit happening all over Eastern yeah. Asia. Um, it could have been cool. Not only that, but then the, also they don't know that the egg that uh, Shigeru saw was necessarily the same uh, creature that's caused on this. I thought it, it introduced an interesting uh, potential for a sequel, which totally. did not happen. Well, one day. Yeah, that's a good point. We should we should point out, I mean, this is going to be coming out way later, but uh, we're recording this on Ishiro Honda's birthday. Happy birthday, Ishiro Honda. The saying, are you ready? And it's kind of crazy that this happy is also... birthday. You ready? No, I can't. I'm sorry. Okay. It's it's uh, Maseraya, Maseraya, Maseraya. Um, it's it's kind of crazy too that Ishiro Honda's birthday is the day that Ray Harryhausen died. Because Ray Harryhausen was always upset that Ishiro Honda ripped off Godzilla from his movie. Fucking nerd! So it's just, I wonder if, like, seeing about Ishiro Honda's birthday being then is what finally did him, did him in. I, I hope so. I hope not, but whatever. I hope they both led great lives. Okay, you mm. want to talk about this ending a bit? We've already covered it a bit, but maybe just touch on it again. It's a good ending. Yeah. It's a trip. So do you think that... So there's a Rodan flying way high above and another one falls down. Do you think that the one goes down on purpose to die with their mate? Or do you think it was an accident? Okay. I just want to say my response there, I was like not computing what the ending was. And now I'm like, oh yeah, that super heavy ending in the movie. <laughs> So it makes more sense why you're like, what What was your thoughts on the ending? <laughs> yeah, so I actually wanted to bring something up in this. So I wanted to read this paragraph from Collapse book. In the conclusion, humankind has trapped the two Dans 
in a volcanic eruption. In the finale of the Japanese version, various characters exchange silent glances, pregnant with conflict. Fear that the volcanic eruption will fail to stop the monsters. Fear that it will go too far and destroy more than just the monsters. Regret at the death of such awesome creatures disgust at their pain. The viewer is left to fill in the details. In the American version, the narration makes everything quite clear, yet infinitely more poignant. As recut by editor Robert S. Eisen, one of the Rodans, a.k.a. Dance, is caught in the fiery lava, unable to escape and burning to death. The other, in a gesture of love, tries first to save the other, then realizes the futility of it and joins its mate, or sibling, in the lava. Unwilling to go on alone, the second Rodan commits suicide not something suggested by the Japanese version. So, in the American version, it's actually explicitly stated that the second Dan is actually committing suicide to go in after its partner, which is a very interesting... Yeah, it's very interesting that explicitly states that. Totally. But obviously, we're discussing the Japanese version, where that's not necessarily the case, but... That was kind of the feeling I got from it, that um, it felt like it could have escaped, but it didn't escape. Yeah, and I I like that interpretation that they mentioned that, like, it went down to help and it couldn't, and then it it died. Mm. But, like, when I first watched it, I definitely viewed it as, you know, we're watching not the perfect special effects. I just kind of assumed that it fell because of whatever reason and it died on accident. And in fact, mm-hmm. like I know there, there, there is an accident in that shot. The string broke on the second row Dan. And so it flops down really fast on one side and then falls. And it was an accident, but it actually looks kind of great. It looks like it's in distress. Um, but that kind of adds to the mystery of, cause it doesn't have the same purposeful landing we've seen before. So I don't know if it does or not, but either way, it's tragic and it's beautiful. That last shot is goddamn gorgeous, and the 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 look of the humans, the feeling we get, it's very clear that it's supposed the music, everything. It's it's a tragic fucking ending. Yeah. Um. So the first time I watched it, it made me tear up, and then the second time I watched it, I was just taking notes the whole time. I was like, "Well, I'm just so detached. It's not gonna make me yeah. tear up." And then it made me tear up. Damn. And then I watched it again. And I was like halfway like typing away on the computer and like doing other stuff and um i was like there's no way it's gonna tear up and then maybe tear up again damn um it's uh definitely the most emotionally impactful scene i've yet experienced in terms of kaiju movies uh i mean i think it does a much better job than godzilla the ending of godzilla is awesome but because of Sarazawa, I feel like we're focusing on that tragedy. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's the tragedy of Godzilla for sure. That's in there. But in this, it is simply the tragedy of the Rodans dying when they've really done nothing uh, purposefully wrong. And it is it they, is sad. They flew too fast. Yeah. Uh, Ishiro Honda's son like famously cried, like bawled out during the theater in the theater when he first saw this. I want to I wanna read a quote from uh, Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men again, if that's okay. No. Um, 
Honda switches back and forth from the observers to the eruptions, keeping the audience essentially in the middle, and as a result, the viewer sides with neither faction, remaining objective witnesses to the Rodan's almost mystical death. In the end, it is inferred that human beings, for all their supposedly good intentions, will ultimately learn nothing from the horrific experiences they themselves created. And I feel like that idea does add to the tragedy of, like, we're not only watching the Rodans die, but we're watching the Rodans die because the humans didn't do anything. And the military leaves, and, or not, not because the humans didn't do anything, I'm sorry, because of the humans, the way the humans decided to handle this. And the, the military leaves learning nothing, and the people who stand there learning something are essentially going to be powerless for the rest of their lives to do anything if anything like this happens again, or to prevent anything from happening again, which is an added level of tragedy, you know? Yeah. I mean, my one issue with that quote is, did nobody tell that writer that they're not called the Rodans, they're called the Dans? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good fucking point, and I will email this man. Okay. I'm glad. Well, on that note, <laughs> what are your concluding thoughts of this movie? Or, or okay, we're gonna rate it. My personal feeling is we it's part of the Godzilla universe. We should rate it on the Godzilla scale because it's in this order of us watching because it's in the Godzilla universe. Does that work for you? Yeah, it works for me. I was kind of curious about that, but I thought you would contact me beforehand if that was the case. Nope. Um, but I I was thinking also like like for instance when we watch. Godzilla or King Kong versus Godzilla, we're going to rate it on both scales. I think this one could be rated with an individual Rodan rating and with a Godzilla rating, whatever. So you could do both if you want. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I forgot. I completely forgot about the rating, so I never finished. Uh, I just wrote a note myself to the guidelines of what I wanted to make the rating on, but never fi- finalized. So whatever. I don't care. Sweet. Do you know who's first? I can't remember. You. Okay, cool. I don't remember either, so I'm just gonna go with that. Um, no, I remember. It was it was you. Okay, before I go, do you want me? To, are you gonna rate it just on the Godzilla scale, or are you gonna rate it Godzilla and individual? I don't know yet. Okay, I'll just rate it on the Godzilla scale. I gave Godzilla 1954 an S. I think I'm gonna give this an A. It's not perfect. But I really, really love it for a lot of reasons. I wish it had better human story. I think that's the main thing holding me back. But the destruction is fucking awesome. The horror elements are fucking awesome. The Mega Nulons are fun. The human stuff is engaging and grabs me. And the visuals are so beautiful that it would feel wrong to not give it an A. So I'm going to give it an A. Is it my turn yet? (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) <laughs> I guess that's a yes. You told me to go first, you little shit fuck. <laughs> um, I don't. Rem- I think I gave Godzilla an A, and you yelled at me. I did not. This is how I remember things. So yeah, you give you gave Godzilla an A. Okay. See, this is one of the things I was having a trouble rating Godzilla because. I get why Godzilla 1954 is a better movie than this. I completely understand why it's a better movie than this. Okay. You don't, is it? You don't even I don't know. Make those... These are both great movies. It's it's not like you're They're saying both... I get why this is better than Godzilla vs. Gigan or something. Um, well, 
Gigan's obviously better. But, um, I mean, there's tons of flaws in this that I think Godzilla does better in terms of characterization, in terms of uh, metaphor. And I think Godzilla delivers so much that's so great, but ultimately, I'm just not having the best time while I'm watching it. I'm not having fun. In this movie, I'm having fun while I'm watching it, even though I can recognize its flaws. So that's just that 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 eternal juxtaposition of entertainment versus art, right? Like it's not that fucking complicated. You balance the two and decide on a rating. Like Godzilla has very a better complicated. has better uh uh meaning and art, and this one has better feeling but has good that other stuff. So do they even out, or is it one better than the other? You got this. <laughs> it's very complicated to me. And I'm getting sick of you getting mad at me for <laughs> my rating systems. You know what? I'm know done rating stuff. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to rate anything anymore. How about that? Damn it. Charlie, I love the way you rate. I'm just giving you shit to add some spice, some paprika to the podcast. <laughs> Do however you want. I. It's not as easy to me as it is to you. That's a legitimate thing that I often struggle with when watching movies is totally. entertainment versus artistic quality because I think those are both great merits in of uh, in and of themselves and I think there's snobs who often ignore entertainment value and totally. there's often uh, people who are just in it for entertainment that that uh, completely ignore artistic value. Let's go deeper. And Let's I go deeper. I want to balance You're, the two. The premise of your statements and insults right now are that I don't have that struggle, but that is not that premise is false. the 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 answer is that you have to pick one eventually, and I know that it doesn't matter what I pick. But all those things are true. All those things are true. That's a real struggle in my mind, but I have to pick one, so I just pick one. I know, but I'm trying to discuss to the listener who, <laughs> from what the emails I've read, are obsessive fans of my thoughts. <laughs> What I my decision making process is. Um. All right, we'll give this. Uh, we'll give this movie an A for Dan. Um. <laughs> and um, D- we'll and... give it a, a also um a, a wingspan of um of uh twenty eight thousand feet. I don't know what that is, but that seems pretty big. <laughs> Hell yeah, that was the best rating section we've had yet. <laughs> it, it might top our Godzilla rating section, which lasted like 10 minutes. <laughs> and I, if I recall, also included you getting mad at me. <laughs> I don't know if I got mad, I just made fun of you a lot because it's fun. And we're very wasted by the time we get to this part of the movie. I have like literally eight beers on my desk in front of me. <laughs> sorry one of them's a hard seltzer i lied seven beers <laughs> and a hard seltzer um sweet okay we didn't give out our dumb cop award yet dude yeah i'm i think i have to give it to the two cops that just got up really close to the mega larva and uh tried to shoot it really close while all the other cops were shooting from far away and they didn't die because they weren't being stupid nice I'm trying to decide between the cop who had his flashlight out, but I don't think it was on, and the cop who said, damn, when his friends, like, got brutally murdered. 
And just because I'm not 100% sure his flashlight wasn't on, I'm going to say that it's the cop who said damn. But <laughs> honestly, they all get dumb cop awards. Like, we let's be real. <laughs> yeah, but we could say that always. <laughs> we say gonna, that every movie. I'm going to say that always. <laughs> to get used to it. What do you think I'm fucking here for? <laughs> why do you think i fucking spend the time doing this shit if i'm not gonna call all the cops dumb what are you fucking talking about dude hey, i mean i don't know you're spending the time doing this before we had a dumb cop award <laughs> you fucking stop it with your rationalization and logic i'm sick of it all the cops are dumb anyway our bastard cop of the week award goes to all the cops not just in the movie but all the cops mm-hmm um, do you, do you have any more thoughts before I play us out? I say reluctantly and with hesitation. <laughs> I mean, I'm hungry and I haven't had Taco Bell in probably over a year. So uh, I'm really hungry for Taco Bell. <laughs> Sick. Taco Bell. Yeah, you can great. finish it. All right. Well, we appreciate you listening to No Gods, No Monsters. And uh, we hope you watch Rodan if you haven't seen it yet. It's a pretty sick movie if you hadn't picked that up. Um, you can find us on Twitter at No Gods Pod. Um, we're on like by this point, I fucking hope to God we're on all the stream, <laughs> all the the podcast <laughs> apps. Um, and uh, please like and review us on those apps. It really helps us get found, or at least that's what I hear at the end of other podcasts. Um, and uh, I guess since Charlie didn't ask, I'm not gonna sing my Rodan song. Okay, y'all. Have oh a no! Night. Sing it! Sing it! Sing it! You also didn't ask where to contact me, asshole. Oh, yeah. You can find Charlie uh, in, um, basically, like, if you go, there's this museum. I forget where it's at, but it has Ted Kaczynski's cabin just, like, in, like, enshrined and yeah. perfectly uh, It's preserved. called the Museum of Big Dicks. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so if you go there, you just knock on the door, Charlie will greet you and uh, offer you some lemonade. We'll see you next week when we talk about Varan, the Unbelievable, which I know basically nothing about, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, but will you believe it? I will not.